Yeah, JJP, man, always good to catch up with you. This has got to be like our 10th interview at this point, um, going on almost 20 years of interviews right now. So um, Vintage is out, man. You just got back from Rochester with Ito. Got in a car accident today, man. How's life right now? Well, I didn't get in a car accident today. I got in a, Somebody hit me, a drunk driver hit the side of the car. I'm all right. Everything is 100% fine, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, it was just a one two one two. Everything's cool. Car was cars. Everything's cool with the car. It sounds more serious than it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm glad you're okay, though. Uh, it's cool to see, though, you're building with Edo up in Rochester, man. Um, looks like you guys got some music coming. Look like a good relationship there. Like, what's going on with Edo, man? How How is that trip to Rochester? I mean, it's crazy, man. The, the, the trip to Rochester, you know, every, every time I'm with Edo, it's, it, it's special, man. You know, he's different, bro. You know, I, I know a lot of rappers personally. Some of them I grew up with. Some of them tell me they love me every day. But this guy, Edo... You know, he came out of nowhere. He he really showed a lot of love, bro. Came out to the studio in Staten Island. You know, uh, spent a pretty penny coming out here, hanging out for a few days and all that stuff just to make some music. And, uh, you know, I was checking out some of his uh, products, uh, the Brigante Royale cigars that he got, these pre-rolls, and I got these Pelly pens and all this other stuff. So we were exchanging those and building. Made some music out here in Staten Island. It just built, man. And uh, then I said, you know, I got I to gotta return the love. I went out there to Rochester. First, I came to, you know, his uh, his uh, album release, Listening Party with DJ Duop. That was that was fly, you know what I mean? Then I went out to Rochester, hung out with him, made some music. And he's just, he's a different type of dude, bro. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny how, like, I didn't grow up with him or nothing like that, but he extended himself in every single way uh, for me as, as an artist showing me love. And I did the same, but uh, it's crazy how sometimes... Uh, crazy how sometimes dudes you don't even know will extend that type of love as opposed to people that you've been around all these years you know what i'm saying yeah it's wild it's wild and thinking about that too i mean i know he's a real hip-hop head that goes like he studies he studies music and you know it, it doesn't surprise me that he's a fan of yours and you got to see yeah, exotic a lot of love yeah he showed a lot of love yeah you got to What'd see exotic say, say, i said you got to see his shop up there exotic roots and get those Pelly pens in there, man. You know, the, the Pelly pens seem to be catching on. You're trying to get those out all through New York, right? Yeah, the, the, Pelly, pen, the Pelly pens, actually, they are catching on in a big wave. I got them in a few cities now. The thing is, is a lot of these quieter towns, they don't realize it, bro. These guys are happy and content with selling you vegetable oils and, and terpenes and butanes and bubbles and anything that just goes out. These guys just want to sell things out the counter. Where, realistically, in this business... You know, uh, quality, just like my music, man. I try to keep my products, you know, uh, you know, the best, man. You know what I mean? I hooked up with Nine South Vapes and these guys liquid gummies from my gummies. These guys are the biggest and the best in the whole country. These guys are international. And they showed me love as, as JJP, the same way Ito did. And the thing is with these with these pens is, just like my music, they're ahead of the time. There's a distillant in them that's called the clear. And this distillant is clear. It's pink. It's, it's the most purest, sought out, after, highest quality uh, highest percentage uh, D9 distillant on the market. This shit is thick as hell. So a couple of people in these quiet towns call me back and they say, you know, there's nothing in these pens. They're empty. You know what I say to them? Listen, bro, they're not empty. The thing is, and I don't want to try to talk to you guys like a scientist, but the thing is, is that the clear, the distillant, it hasn't been oxidized yet, which means that it hasn't hit oxygen yet. When it hits oxygen and you smoke it, it, it turns into like a... Uh, you know, that, that golden brown, that golden, you know, uh, hazel uh, type of color. So a lot of these people are like, this thing is empty. There's no bubbles. I'm like, listen, bro, I'm not selling you vegetable oil. This thing is nice and thick. It's beautiful. It's got to be kept in the right temperature so that thick distillate can actually hit the coil and you can do what you got to do. And then once you do, 
it's fire. So, you know, a lot of the cities that know the wave and understand, you know, the clear, they know what's up. But a lot of these quiet towns, you know, they don't know what the fuck is going on. These guys, you know, these guys came to be claim to be pros and claim to be big time, but they they doing people an injustice, giving them whatever the fuck they're giving them over the counter. You know, and I just wanted to stress that real quick, man, because this stuff is cool. You know, I mean, this stuff is important. People use this for health benefits. If a woman comes in there with she has an autistic, you know, uh, son or daughter that's, you know, old enough to, to use these type of products, they're going to have some questions for you. You should have answers for them. You know what I mean? Uh, let them know what might work for them or what's good. You know, you should have quality for people instead of fucking crushing people. But I, I want to end this this thing about these these products by saying it's funny because George Carlin, the comedian, always said America loves their bullshit. They want their shit up front. And what I'm learning in this business is people actually want vegetable oil. They want bubbles and butane and and and, and terpenes. It's nuts, bro. It's it's just like any other business, you know. They want whatever happens fast and you know goes flying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt, man. So how did you go about you know really creating your strain? You know what what do you want? What do you want your, your your Pelly strain to be like? I mean, right now it's a sour diesel strain. The company is brand new for myself, the Pelly Pens. You know, uh, the next thing is going to be three different strains. You know, when you look at the box, the box is really cool. It's got the Pelly uh, Tiger on there, the logo, the Pelly Greeno logo. So what happens is, is when you put three different boxes together, it forms. It also forms that Tiger head. Uh, but right now it's just one flavor. Stuff is expensive, man. It's very hard to break into this business. I'm really fortunate uh, to have my partner Riz. Uh, that's R-I-Z, Nine South Vapes. Without him, bro, uh, forget it. I'd be light years behind in this business. He, he really blessed me and, uh, and, and and created this product for me and, and gave me the opportunity to get out there. And I'm more than thankful. So uh, my goal is uh, to have not only sour diesel, but to have a couple other flavors and eventually tons of flavors for people. But we're just getting started. I decided to go with something that makes you feel uppity, something that's, that, that's good and soothing, something that everybody loves and familiar with. So I went to sour diesel. The gummy drops, the Pelly drops right now, they're a citrus flavor. And the carts, uh, they're also a sour diesel. Uh, the pens, uh, the carts, and the the drops are all made from that same distillate that I was telling you about. All made in an actual laboratory. Beautiful products, man. You know, really, really nice. I'm very fortunate. That's great. This is our most scientific conversation we've ever had, man. I know. Aside from that, aside from that, you tell me about your crush uh, in high school on the on that girl with the mustache in your science class. <laughs> man, or, or we could talk about that vintage album, man. Love the vintage album too, man. Um, I know you like that pivot right there. Um, you know, how, how did, how's the vintage album doing, man? It looks like it's getting a lot of really positive feedback. I really appreciate the sound you brought on it. And, Thanks, and bro. The subject matter, just that classic Pelly. Um, you know, something that I think that, that not every artist can say is, is how they've been able to stay true to themselves over the years. And, you know, the industry has shifted, trends have shifted, but you still get that classic JJP flow, which I think is what everyone really wants. And, and, I, and I think you gave it to them on that vintage album. So, so how's it been doing for you so far? What kind of feedback well, have you well, gotten? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Thank you. I'm glad you like the album. The response has been great on the album. Uh, did it get me rich or anything like that? No. Did it make any giant strides in my career? No. I want to say a couple of things right now, man. I'm glad that people like it and, 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 and staying true to myself. I'm not too sure I've necessarily been doing that. I've been staying true to this hip-hop thing. I'm not even sure if that's a thing anymore. I come to the realization that I firmly believe that hip-hop music, hip-hop died when Chris Laddie died. That's when, the, that's when hip-hop died. I'm over here being loyal 
and 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 still pushing the envelope, raising the bar in a culture uh, that uh, uh, underappreciates me. Calls me the most underrated rapper that ever lived. You know that's something crazy, bro. Do you know that? I can't say I'm. The, I think I'm the greatest. I can't say I'm the greatest that ever lived. I can't say I'm this that ever lived or that that ever lived. I'll tell anybody, any rapper. I'll tell any executive. Even even I'll tell Cool Herc. I'm the most underrated rapper that ever lived, and that's a goddamn shame. Because I'm over here doing what I'm doing, um, out of the love for loyalty, being true to hip hop music and hip hop culture. Being true to myself would be making great music. That's what I want to do. I want to make great music, you know. But it's kind of like metaphorically. When you're in the underground and, and you don't have big budgets for marketing and promotion and all that stuff, uh, it's the equivalent to like fist fighting in the schoolyard. Having a big hit record and a budget and everything, now all of a sudden you need a bazooka. I have endless amounts of bazookas, but I'm in the schoolyard fighting. So I don't bring the bazooka to the schoolyard. I'm getting ready to leave the schoolyard, bro, and do what I want to do and really be true to myself and make hit records and make, uh, make, make records that everybody loves when I say hit records, including myself. And people don't know the history that I only got signed to Violator and Sony and Loud Records originally because I had hit records that they never heard. I had hit records. These radio catchy records, you know, records that everybody feels, that masses could feel. Um, and that, that would be true to myself. So my plan is, is, is vintage album is that warm hip-hop texture, the braggadocio bars and that hard shit and all that stuff that people say they want, they want. I gave them what they wanted. You know what I mean? Uh, I got love and respect out of that, but I've been getting that. I didn't get what I wanted out of there. So I'm going to give him something else. You know, I got a few albums on deck right now that all feed into that world, and I'm going to put them out rapidly. And by the time the summer rolls around, bro, yeah, I'm going to go where, they, where, they, where, where I think they're going to appreciate me, brother. You understand what I'm saying? Because I didn't set out to, to uh, I didn't set out in this to, to, to do this. I set out to be very well off, to be very successful, uh, to be respected and, and to do big things in the music business, you know, accomplish high accolades and shit like that and make a ton of money so I can take care of my loved ones and family and sign new artists and, and shift the culture with what I believe is hot and get distribution and the proper budget behind artists all the way down to helping people around the world that have nothing. That's what I wanted to do. But what the fuck am I over here trying, giving you the best lyricists? Who gives a fuck, bro? So I'm glad that you like it. I really, I'm really am glad that you like it. But, but, and, and when I say hip hop, culture i'm not talking about the streets i'm not talking about the people that created hip-hop not talking about the pioneers that doesn't seem to be they don't that doesn't seem to be what i you know hip-hop culture to me bro hip-hop culture meaning the small space where everyone pays attention and you make lots of money and you get lots of push and you're being seen by everyone and promoted everywhere because you feed into an agenda that's taking place right now. I don't feed the agenda, bro. Sometimes I talk violent in my music, but my music is not going to load prisons with, with young black teenagers the way they want. You understand? My music doesn't feed black genocide. It doesn't feed genocide of any type. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, that 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 seems to be clearly what, what, what this is a tool. This 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 whole thing right now is, is, is honestly is, is black genocide, bro. You know, uh, and, and that's a fact, bro. And I don't I don't really feed into that, you know, and, and that's what's popping right now. And and I think it's a shame, and I hope it changes. But um, yeah, if I'm gonna be true to myself, I'm gonna leave this this whole bubble where all this genocide is happening and all this violence and all this crazy shit. And I'm gonna go and be where I'm, like I said, be where I'm appreciated, bro. You know what I mean? Straight up, 
I'm already have a lot of people in that world that have already been welcoming me and telling me for years and years, why don't you come do this? Why don't you, Joe, we already know that you're one of the best lyricists. We, we know that. Why don't you do, show them what you can do. Show them the records. You know, so that's the next plan, 730. So our next interview might be on a motherfucking jet somewhere. Man, I, I sure hope so, man. I mean, so if I'm hearing you too, like, does it get kind of boring, I guess, writing songs like Gifted and Vintage Dawn, even though you know that's what you're, you know, you, you're no, hardcore no, fans? No, it doesn't get boring. It doesn't get boring. It's, 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 a, it's a drug to me. Writing records like that, being able to say wild shit and say what I really want to say behind shit that moves me, that soulful music, you know, whatever the, the thump, whatever it is, man, the vibe. That's my, my, my guilty addiction. That's my vice, bro. That's my vice. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm going to go ahead and just use, I don't know, Pitbull. Let's use Pitbull for an, uh, uh, an example. I remember him back in the days, bro. Razor blade, corn rolls, braids that came, that, 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 you know, um, um, some long braids or whatever, doing his thing, punching people in the face, rapping, hanging out, making a name for himself. He, yeah, I remember you know, he, he I had remember. a lot of mix mixtape freestyles and everything. He was doing everything that everyone else that's was right. doing. Yeah, he well, and, and and cool as hell. And cool as hell, and tough, and respected, and getting bitches. But you know, just trying to be this superb lyricist. You know what I mean? I don't know if if a bug went off in his head. He definitely felt underappreciated. You're goddamn right. I know for a fact he felt underappreciated. So he said, "Let me go where they appreciate me." So he wanted, you know, he went right over there. But at one point, he had to look in the mirror and tell himself, listen, man, either I'm going to be loyal to what I love doing, which is being the greatest barsman and putting lyrics together and being real, this and that, and being, you know, some sort of street guy and all this stuff, or I could go out there and get this money and be Mr. Worldwide. And he decided to do that. And it's funny because, you know, when I make these big records, people say I got a bald head and shit. They be like, yo, he's a big people. Nothing like people, man. But I would definitely like to uh, acknowledge that this guy is in a lane of his own. Nobody's even close to being in that lane at all and i have a funny feeling he ain't gonna mind seeing me in there because i know some people that know him and at this point pitbull's been saying things like yo listen man i just love this music so i put records out i don't need to do this i just do it because I, I think he would get a kick out of watching me pop off right now especially in the ninth inning you know what i mean so so that that's what my goal is bro make records for the masses no doubt man and when, when you look at that how do you how do you balance then that lyricism that you that that you know, seems to come so easy for you versus making songs that might appeal to a, a greater audience, but, but still having those witty punchlines in that, that only, you know, a small percentage of, of listeners are really going to, going to pick up and catch and, and rewind and, and all that. Well, a lot of the elements of a, of a hit record are melodies and, and, and harmonies and, and, and clever lyrics and simplicity and all that other stuff being slick. Um, there's a way of being as slick and simple as you can without dumbing it down at all. However, with this particular stuff, this is like, you know, when you listen to Z100, you might hear a big record. I don't know. It could, it could be, uh, you know, just any top 40 record that you would never hear a rapper on, right? And next thing you know, there's a rapper remix. And you hear that rapper remix on 105 and 97 and all these hip-hop stations, but you'll never hear that rapper part on Z100. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that when I'm in the studio. And I like to do the harmonies. I like to come up with melodic shit and make um, catchy, you know, um, stuff. So what happens is, is lyrics and bars actually take away from that. And sometimes you feel it. And what I always do is, you know, I have a lot of friends, you know, in, in different hoods all over, um, you know, the East Coast, everywhere, actually. But, you know, when I make my rounds, New Jersey, East New York, you know, Stapleton Park Hill, you know, Irvington, the Oranges, all this other shit. You know, and when I do that, I'm always out there 
always showing the music, always, always getting, you know, getting the streets, you know, vibe and all that other stuff. And it's crazy because I got this record that's really catchy. It's a top 40 record. And there's only four bars on there um, of rapping. And, and it, they're dope four bars. I played it for everybody in the hood in Newark, New Jersey. And this record you would never think they like. But they were going crazy to it. Like, yo, Joe, this is the best shit you got. I'm telling you, bro, fuck that. Get this money. And everyone's advice was take the four bars of rapping off the record. It's, 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 it's ruining it. It's incredible, but it's ruining it. And I, and I kind of like, you know, I feel the same way. And I got that feedback a lot in the streets. And I even got that feedback in the studio from the producer. So, so when making big records, uh, sometimes uh, you don't need bars. You don't need any witty, catchy punchlines. You need witty lyrics. You know what I mean? And, and, and then some other records, you know, you know, I can't help myself. You know, I go berserk on them. And whenever I do, people say, Joe, that record could have been a lot bigger. But, you know, you decided to go crazy with the bars. You know, look, at the end of the day, there's no mistake. Even people that don't know me or couldn't pick me out of a lineup or couldn't quote none of my lyrics, they know they're supposed to respect me lyrically. They heard somebody that they respect or somebody other legend or somebody gives me the ultimate respect and praise as a lyricist. Everybody, even people that don't know me, know like, oh, Joseph Pellegrino, I heard that name, yo. And they feel like I'm supposed to respect him. I heard he's like a fucking, like a monster. And they're goddamn right. I just need the monster bank account to match it. You know what I mean? And listen, bro, getting older, getting older, you know what I mean? Part of part of what you're doing is, is, is projecting who you really are. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I'm able to, by not giving a fuck or worrying the worries, I don't age at all. But at least I feel that way. But sometimes there's moments, you know, where you just feel it. It's a mental thing. I, physically, I feel great. But you realize, wait a second, you feel irresponsible writing certain things or saying certain things on records. So I, I really look forward to saying, hey, look, at this point, I gave everything I gave to, to hip-hop culture. I gave everything I gave to, to everything that comes with it. And uh, and I know everyone will be proud of me uh, when I do something different, including the people I originally signed with, you know, aside from Chris, who's obviously uh, deceased and on the rest of peace. You know, guys like James Cruz, a lot of other guys out there in the game, just like, yo, Joe, this is it, man. This is what you need to do. Now your age doesn't matter. All this other stuff doesn't matter. And that's where my heart is really at. And I'm telling you this in an interview kind of early, bro, because I, I still have a lot of hip-hop albums to release. But, I, I, you know, I always try to talk to you about what's really going on, bro. And, and, and motherfuckers can go back and listen to this interview uh, when they see me do what I do, if there's any confusion as to why I'm doing it. Not that I give a flying fuck. No, man, I always appreciate your honesty, too, man. You know, going back to what you said about hip-hop dying with Chris Lighty, you know, why do you think hip-hop wasn't able to recover from the, the, the tragic death of Chris Because Lady? these black artists had no one to protect their best interest. If you were black and you were about to get on the launching pad, as crazy as it sounds, I don't give a fuck. If you were black or brown, especially black, and you were getting ready to get on the launching pad to success, somebody whispered in your ear, no matter what state you were from, Texas, California, you need to go see Chris Lighty. You need to go see Chris Lighty. That's why he managed every and anybody that was successful the most legendary underground guys, the biggest guys. Guys got like Fat Joe out there saying he would never be nothing if it wasn't for Chris Lighty. That's just a little example. No disrespect to Fat Joe, but he's done a lot more than just that. That was light work for him. You know what I'm saying? So Chris was the man. There's no one out there to protect these kids now. There's no one to protect their best interests, get them the best percentages, get them the best uh, you know, point system and the best uh, back ends and, 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 and all that stuff on their deals. Nobody, nobody does that. Everybody out there, you know, nah, if there's anybody out there, they're not like Chris. Chris never did no tap dancing. Chris never did no uh, ass kissing. None of that shit. Chris was different. 
You understand? So when Busta Rhymes sold millions of records and it's time to renegotiate and give Busta Rhymes his just due, a ton of money up front after he's shooting videos with elephants and fucking Janet Jackson and all this shit. And they say, well, they don't think Busta Rhymes really fits the agenda of where they're going with the game now. We don't, we don't want to give Busta the renegotiating money. We, we don't want to do that. Just like he says, oh, word. Oh, you crackers don't want to give me my money? Just like that, bro. I used to hear him say it all the time. And he's not racist at all, bro. He's just being sporty out there, out there in, in, in the jungle. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you crackers don't want to give me my money? All right. I'll show you how to do this. Mountain Dew, Busta Rhymes, few million dollars. Boom, shit goes through the roof. Now all of a sudden the label wants to give Buster his back end money. Now Chris tells him, fuck you, I want double that. Nobody's doing that for these artists no more, bro. Nobody's finding another way for artists. You know what I mean? Nobody's finding another way for these artists, protecting their best interests, showing them longevity, how to do it. The last person that Chris Lighty put a lot of knowledge into is 50 motherfucking cent. And look at him. And look at the fuck him, bro. You understand? So that's why I say hip-hop music died with Chris Lighty. Because Chris Lighty would be around these artists and, and teach them the same way he taught me when he came into the vocal booth one day and I said the wrong thing in the vocal booth and this guy literally came in the booth and ripped my headphones off and said, don't you ever, ever even think about talking in that direction ever again in your life. You understand? Ever. That's not what you do. You don't need that. And I said, all right. You know what I mean? So he, he taught me how to, he, he avoided a giant situation. I would have jumped into a, 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 bad, a, a, a bad situation. He kept me out of it. He schooled me. You know what I mean? No one's doing that now. A new guy would have let me say the most reckless thing in the world. Maybe I get killed or someone else dies and then, then we can really make some money. You know, so, so I don't see anybody out there protecting artists best interests. I see people exploiting artists. If she's a female, we're going to show you her pussy. If, he, if he's a guy, we're going to show you his secrets. You know what I mean? That's what's going on in hip hop now, bro. Secrets, whether it be secrets what he does behind closed doors sexually or secrets what he does crime or whatever, that's what it is. They want they want to promote, you know, the secrets that basically ultimately lead to fucking genocide, like I said, bro. So, you know, I, until I see somebody out there protecting all these um, 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 particularly black and brown artists' best interests and showing them longevity in the right way and all that, I say hip-hop is dead with Chris Lighty, bro. Word. No doubt, man. So do you feel like you're able to... to to pass on those messages to younger artists that you work with too. And, and that you, that you, you know, cross paths with so that, that they can avoid those pitfalls that may be waiting for them. No, not really, bro. Because in order to, to show an artist, um, that's not the way you want to be able to show him another way. I'm not in a position to show anybody another way, showing them a way, meaning putting them on a path, giving them a reason, giving them some incentive. Although I never had no, uh, no one, you know, Everything I did was 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 from the from the gut, bro. I, I didn't need incentive to do what I did. But a lot of these new people, uh, these young artists, they need incentive. You know what I mean? I tell the artists, you know, hey, don't rap like that. You should rap like this. Well, hold on, he's getting more attention doing that. You know what I mean? So, who am I to say? So I got to kind of lead by example. Once I get in the gate and I'm able to have my own label, that's that's the goal. I want my own label through a major, and I want to have major distribution. I want my own label so I can make superstars. I love stars more than I love bars, bro. I always did from day one. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And at that point, then I could, you know, I can, I can do some thought, show these motherfuckers my ideologies and get ideas on the game and, uh, and, and, you know, whatever the word is, you know what I'm saying? And just theories of, 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 of why it was, how it is, where it's going. You know, that's it, bro. You know, need attention. So right now it's really kind of difficult, uh, you know, I could, I could tell artists when I bump into them one-on-one, -on -one, but it ain't the same as getting them, you know, leading by example, people seeing that. I'd rather put out an artist like a J. Cole that sells a couple million records 
and show you that you don't have to rap about the gang shit to be successful. You know, if you're a young black or, 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 or brown artist, you know what I mean? Where they expect you everything to be negative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt, man. And, you know, loyalty, I know, is a big thing for you. You've always been, you know, the, the kind of guy who's who's showing loyalty to those, you, you know, you came up with, but also you wear your heart on your sleeve. And you mentioned earlier how you feel like sometimes that loyalty doesn't get repaid. You know, do you feel like those you came up with, those who you've been loyal to, have, have always been loyal back to you? Do you feel like um, that hasn't always been the case? No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I can't. I can't complain, bro. I always look at the glass half full. I don't expect nobody to uh, to take care of me or, or do anything, or, 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 or you know, you know, it's all on me, bro. But I just notice a lot of people uh, don't really show the most thorough love. But it's okay. I, I realize it's every man for himself. I know a lot of rappers out there that could have easily put me in a situation in a light where things would have been better and better for me and my son, but that's not, that's not their responsibility and things are fine for me and my son anyway. But in terms of just like, yo, let me help Joe really pop off. You know, I know I don't get that anywhere. I get that. I got to create that myself. You know what I mean? You know, uh, so that's what I do. I deal with a lot of rappers telling me I'm going to take you on the road for the last 14 years. You know, I deal with a lot of rappers saying we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I do a lot of favors for rappers uh, and rappers do favors for me though. You know, if I call for a verse, whoever it is, they drop the verse. So I can't get mad if we don't do a video. You know what I mean? I, I look at the glass half full. But at the same time, then you tend to watch videos they do with other artists, and you're like, what the fuck is this dude doing? Then then people start to question, how come you don't got a video with this one and that one? But it is what it is, bro. It's more the reason why I say to myself, I'll go where the fuck I'm appreciated. You understand? Because it's only a matter of time before Miley Cyrus and them will call on my phone saying I need 16 bars, or before Ed Sheeran saying I need 16 bars. That's what the fuck I want. And frankly, and frankly, I'd rather rock with, with artists on that level than artists on this hip-hop level, no matter who the fuck they are, any day of the week. Yeah, no doubt, man. You know, someone who has definitely shown, though, um, a lot of love to you, man, is Method Man. You know, you're on the Meth Lab 3. He's the only feature on Vintage. You know, he's shouting out the Pelicarts. You know, like, what? how has that relationship with Method Man, you know, grown over the years? And, and, and what does that relationship mean to you? It means everything to me. You understand? Like, Meth is, Meth is a legend. You know what I mean? Meth is, Meth is a superstar. Meth is also, uh, you know, someone that I, uh, that I, that I always looked up to and that I have crazy love for. I would do anything for Meth. Um, and I appreciate the love that he gives back. I just do. It means the world to me, bro. It does. You know, um, I wish I could work, uh, more, uh, with my brothers like that, you know, even put out more work, more content, more stuff. Uh, but I realize that everybody's busy. Everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's got priorities and stuff like that. But I'm thankful, like I said before, you know, you can, actually you can apply that, you know, to this that situation. The glass is half full. I asked for a verse, you know, I got the verse at fucking 7 in the morning, you know, New Year's Day. He was in the studio, you know what I mean? So sending me videos like, yo, Joe, I did it. He didn't have to do that. You know, uh, there's other people out there who paid down payment on the house money, you know, to get messed us or after it was asked. Yeah, that's really cool, man. You know, I was listening to, to some of your, your older music today, just getting ready for the interview, and one of my favorite features I think that you've done is Posse Cut with Ari the Rugged Man. You know, what was it like recording Posse Cut? And that, that's one of those songs that just really stands the test of time and, and is always dope no matter when it comes on. Um, it was it was fun, man. You know, going to the studio, I think we did that up at Nature Sounds with Devin. Shout out Devin. Shout out Ari the Rugged Man. Um, 
yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's always fun, bro. It's always fun being in the studio with dope artists. You know what I mean? It's always fun. So I had a great time doing that. And, you know, putting out Hitman for Higher Volume 2 last year was, was a really um, cool move, I thought. And just made me really think about Hitman for Higher 1, you know, the, just that first project you did with K-Slay hosting. Um, you know, how did you take the loss of K-Slay, man, just thinking about what he's done for your career and, and, and your relationship with him and how you guys really built? Um, that was something that caught me completely off guard and just was, you know, really heavy to see, you know, that, that we lost K-Slay. You know, it's terrible, and, 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 and may he rest in peace, man. Slay was Slay was a great guy, man. Me and Slay signed to Chris Lighty at the same exact time. He became Chris Lighty's, you know, uh, venture, and, and I became Chris Lighty's venture. So we were working together already right then and there. Um, you know, we were down with the same family. Um, Slay is a fan of the bars. Slay is a fan of, you know, streets, you know, all that, you know, that live shit. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for every opportunity I had to work with him. You know, uh, I'm fortunate, man. You know, um, you know, I, I feel terrible. You know, you know, there was conversations I had with him not too long ago, um, where he told me, where I say, you know, Slay, what's up, man? Let's do this. And he say, Yo, Joe, man, I'm old, man. You know, how old I am, Joe. You know, how old my grandchild is, Joe. I don't feel good. He would tell me that all the time. I say, because Slay, <laughs> Slay's very forward when he talks. You know what I mean? And Slay, the type of guy, like if you say, Slay, you know. uh, Let's go here and hang out for 20 minutes. Hell no, I ain't going there, man. What the fuck you asking me to go out? You know how old I am? He's like one of those guys. So he would tell me all the time, and I would say, nah, Slay, you know, you got this, man. You're strong, bro. You know what I mean? I would say stuff like that to him, but, you know, only he knows how he really felt, you know, on the inside. And, and you know, it's just a fucking terrible scenario, bro. Just another legend, you know, that, that we don't get to uh, enjoy seeing do great things in his life anymore. But the legacy lives on, bro. For sure, for sure. You know, thinking about that Hitman for Hire mixtape too. You know, so much of that of, of that classic early JJP material. Are you ever going to re-release that and and put that back yeah, out there? I, I want to re-release it. Yeah, a lot of people ask for it. Um, I'm, I'm so stuck on putting out new music that mm -hmm. I haven't put the back catalog out yet. But eventually, I will. Eventually, I will. There's lots of stuff being uploaded. Lots of stuff coming out. So eventually, I'm going to upload the original Hitman for Hire. And you, can you take us through your creative process, man? Like, what? How does a JJP verse come about? You know, because you know when, when you think about balancing out the the, the punchlines, the storytelling, everything that you do as an MC, um, the different flows, you know, with with different beats, you know, uh, everything you do really, really well. How does that all come together? You know, in a song. It comes together, uh, believe it or not, uh, the speed of lightning, bro. Uh, just like anything else, magic. You know, I, I, I no longer put myself through the process as as magical as it is picking up a pen and writing and stuff like that. I don't do it no more, bro. And of course, you know, going through the years, there's times where you say, you know, I'm in a bad mood. I don't know if I'm quite in the mood to get this out, or you know, I have to do a record about you know having sex with a girl today, and I really feel like killing somebody. How am I gonna How am I gonna do that record? You know, I went through that phase, you know, many many years ago. You know, as you master your craft, but it's been on autopilot, bro. And it's, this shit has been mastered for so many years now that it don't matter if I if I, you know <laughs> it don't matter if I have the worst day ever. If I gotta go in the studio, whatever it is, they put the beat on. Sometimes the first time I hear it. I just walk around a little bit for a minute. I go in the booth and I start chopping away. I say the first thing that comes comes into my mind. You know what I mean? Uh, and of course, uh, 
if it's something uh, that could be tightened up, I might tighten it up. But I just chip away. So it's like 30 minutes to get through even like, you know, even a song like, you know, all these mad shootings, deaf, you know, that, that, that uh, running up that hill joint I did on the Pella Freestyles. People say, you know, oh, my God, the amount of words and lyrics in there, that shit is intense. I went in the booth and just chipped away at it. You know, I don't quite have the same process as Jay-Z where he sits there and thinks of three verses and a hook and plays video games and gets up and just does it all in one shot. I go in there and just start swinging. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I look at it almost like uh, fighting. You know, if you get on the phone, somebody's hitting your phone and they say, yo, meet me over here. We're going to fight at 3 o'clock. You know, you're on your way to go do that. Everything that you're thinking in your mind, everything you're thinking you're going to do, everything you're thinking how it's going to go down, it's not really going to quite go down like that. No matter if you win or lose or whatever the case, it's, it's not going to go exactly how you plan. Yet, if you walk out of a store, at least somebody like me, and two people just start swinging, out of nowhere, I'll do the most magical, mystical, perfect shit that I could possibly do to, to conquer that situation. And it's the same thing I look at the vocal booth like that. Why bother pacing back and forth thinking about the moves where you don't even know exactly how it's going to be? That moment in time is going to be something completely just authentic. So I just approach it like that now. And I, and I did the whole Hitman for Hire album that way. I did the whole entire Vintage Dawn album that way. Um, I did them all that way. I even did uh, the next three albums I got coming out, all just going in the booth and just saying the shit, chipping away. Man, yeah, that's amazing. So you got you got three albums in the clip right now. So what what's kind of your plan for how to how to put these out and and, and what should we expect? I mean, realistically, blow the, the the plan is 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 the right way to do it. It's just it's, it's a lot. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to flood them with the shit. I'm going to put the music out, let them have it. I got records coming with lots of rappers. I got things going on. I'm going to flood them with this music. I'm going to do what I got to do, releasing the music to my distribution. I'm going to put it out there. And um, and I have a situation on the table for for my, uh, for my what I want to do in the future. So what I'm looking to do is put these records out, get them all out there, and let people enjoy them, and keep it moving, bro. And keep it moving. My plan is just flood them. If I got to put a new album out every month or every month and a half, I'll do that till the summer comes. No doubt, man. And it was cool to see you reading in your son's class the other day, too, that you posted on IG. You know, thinking about that, you know, it looked like you could have, you know, teaching as a backup career if this hip-hop thing never happened. <laughs> I wish I could, bro. They wouldn't let me do that, man. Unfortunately, some of the uh, scenarios and, and drama in my life has, uh, has, uh, made it difficult for me to have a great job like that. You know what I mean? How, how'd you like it, though, man, getting up, you know, reading a book with, with kids? Like, you look pretty comfortable in that teacher chair. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not that. It's not It's not the, the classroom or the teacher chair. It's just, it's just, you know, around the youth. You know, like my mother and my father and, my, you know, my family, they know kids love me, bro. They they, they, they always do. Like, and, and I love them back, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's nothing like, you know, um, speaking to, you know, a young person and, and you know, watching them uh, form a personality, and and just making sure you you say a couple things to them that uh that that can help them in the future, man. Things that make sense to them, and knowing how to communicate with them. A lot of people don't know how to communicate with kids. For me, that's easy. You know what I mean? I run around behaving like a five year old a lot of times, so it's easy for me to behave. You know, to have a conversation with a five year old. Kids can relate to what I'm doing. I have fun with them. I like to make funny voices, and, you know, funny jokes, and and you know, shit like that, man. And, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy that, man. You know, if I was able to go uh, from school to school and talk to, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, kids, even college and high school, so much stuff that they need to hear, man. 
There's so many people running around out there yesterday that looked like they were young and cute yesterday, and today they're adults running around out there, and no one taught them how to be an adult yet. So they're still doing little dumb shit, you know what I mean? And all it takes is one person like me to just teach them or say something to them that makes sense to them, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of, like, pride myself on, on taking every opportunity I can to, to say something important to somebody younger than me in a moment where I think they need to hear it.